I'm Kate Wheeler in studio with Christine Bentley, and you're listening to What She Said right here on 105.9 The Region. Today's program is brought to you by the Hill Street Challenge. Think you have what it takes to go alcohol-free for 30 days? If so, your body will thank you. Visit hillstreetchallenge.com to learn why. Cheers to a better you. We're kicking off today's show speaking to Dillis DeCruz, the vice president and head of wealth management at Meridian Credit Union, about changing careers in midlife. Maybe you're going through this right now as we head into the new year. It's exciting, but can also be frightening. And while there's no right answer, there are some things you may want to take into consideration. I'll have a one-on-one chat with Sarah Waxman. She is an award-winning restaurant critic, best-selling cookbook author, food and travel journalist who has eaten her way through much of the free world and written about it since 1979. Absolutely love her. (laughs) Film critic Ann Brody chats with the legendary Jim Cummings, the voice of Pooh and Tigger in Christopher Robin, and will speak to Canadian rocker Biff Naked, who recently moved to Toronto full-time from Vancouver and truly embodies the phrase, live to tell the tale. She also performs a classic in our live studio session, so you'll want to stick around to hear that one. Now, be sure to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. What She Said will be back next Saturday and Sunday with brand new episodes. You can find out who's on next week, enter contests, watch videos, and connect with us all at whatshesaidtalk.com. Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, greater focus, and maybe even... Wow, my bass playing has gotten awesome. Right, honey? Yeah, whatever. Take the Hill Street Challenge and play sexy all night long. Learn more at hillstreetchallenge.com. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said, she's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Changing careers in midlife is exciting, but it's also a little frightening. And while there's no right answer, there are some things you should take into consideration. Joining us now to tell us more is Dillis DeCruz, the Vice President and Head of Wealth Management at Meridian Credit Union. Welcome back to what she said. Thanks so much. Now, at age 50, many people have experienced one of two things, either an itch to try something different or a forced nudge from your employer <laughs> with hopefully a nice package. And so you're kind of not ready to do shop and lunch or you need to pay bills. Right, right. The itch or the nudge at age 50. We were nudged. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you. I was booted. <laughs> push. Um, So it is just reality nowadays, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, either people are rethinking what do they really want to do when they grow up at age 50, or they're getting pushed out, right? Or or change, you know, uh, companies are restructuring and all of a sudden you find yourself going, now what? Um, The nice part is if you are nudged or pushed, uh, in most cases, you get a severance, we're hoping. 
And so then you're at a, now what do I do? You've probably been in your career for a long time. Uh, you're now uh, a little bit bewildered and, and, and are kind of self-reflecting to say, uh, should I do something different? All I know is this. And so it can be exciting and it can be uh, frightening at the same time. So uh, a couple of tips, I think, and, and both of you, we were talking about this. We've all kind of gone through different you know um, situations where you've had to self-discover. Um, it's really important to, to say, if I'm going to do something different, uh, really do your homework around that it just can't be about your passion, right? You have Mm -hmm. to be good at what you do. I mean, you know, if I wanted to, you know, go and be a singer like Adele, I mean, people would say right away, don't even try because if you've heard me sing, not a good thing. So um, you really have to know that you're you're, uh, good at what you do and you're probably going to have to work a lot harder if you're rebuilding and more than likely you're going to have to take a, um, you know, a cut and pay to start. Mm-hmm. So these are the kind of things you I think, think we did about. all that. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. did all that. But I mean, we, yeah. we, we, at the time, the, the phrase was find the niche and fill it. Right. And we found that there was nothing on radio aimed specifically mm-hmm. at women 30 and up. So yeah. that's sort of what we tried to fill. And, and we're coming up to five years. So doing this. Yeah. So this is pretty good. And you had the combination of finding a niche and filling it and fulfilling your passion and doing what you love to do. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, when people are going through self-discovery, uh, I went through that as well, too. And I was a little bit, I was in financial services for a long time. Now I'm back in. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can run, but you can't leave. Um, but uh, I, I actually was at a crossroads and said, what do I really want to do now, uh, now that I'm going through a change? And so I um, really got my answers by talking to people, uh, because I was kind of struggling to say what is uh, what is it that I'm good at what what is it that I can do and I really encourage people to go and talk to others uh, friends family co past co-workers who you trust and it's amazing how enlightening uh, that can be in terms of them kind of identifying things in you that maybe you couldn't have identified for most people I would say when they get punted booted nudged or yeah. or decide I mean if you're over 50 and you're a woman you're not getting hired. So really, it, you are creating something that you can do yourself. Yeah, I, I would actually bust that myth a bit. Okay, too. good, please yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. because um, so just, you know, quickly as a personal story, I went to become an executive coach. Um, and so I also was doing transition coaching. So I was that person that was going in when people were getting the nudge. And uh, and then I worked with people to help them find opportunities. And everybody was over 50. And uh, there were many females and males, and they were all landing. And so what happens is, is that quite often your self-esteem goes down at, at oh, that point. Big time. Big time. And you think, oh my God, I'm over 50. No one's going to want to hire me. But you have so much more value. And that's what you start realizing and that's what people started realizing as I was working with them and they were finding opportunities. So, you know, uh, although you kind of think that there isn't an opportunity after age 50, whether you're male or female, there's absolutely an opportunity and companies are, are dying for talent. You know, Mm -hmm. and so there's different ways of doing it. You might even go in as a consultant and many people do. They might say, okay, I don't want to fully go on payroll or I might want to set up my own business and go in as a consultant as well. The other thing we haven't mentioned is that many industries have gone through a whole metamorphosis Mm -hmm. uh, in the last 10 years. Our industry certainly did. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, (laughs) there's no appointment viewing anymore. Everything is completely different. And so, you know, you got to get rid of any talent that you think if you can bring in somebody cheaper. It's not like the job disappeared. And it wasn't, I don't know whether it was so much that we were 50, but that we 
we had paid our dues and were making a good salary and they could bring somebody in at 24 who just graduated who was going to work for a lot less money. And that's what businesses do when when they're going through changes. So, uh, but it is very hard on the self-esteem. And so it's rediscovering because the world is changing. Jobs that now exist didn't exist when we were looking for a job. Mm -hmm. And jobs that are here today may not be there in five years. And we've talked about young people We'll never have one job with the same company for four right. years. Right. It ain't happening unless yeah. it's the post office, if that survives. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's questionable, too. Yeah. So if you do choose the self-employment path, um, what about benefits? Can you right. t- talk about that? Yeah. So, so, you know, I think it's about self-discovery and figuring out what is your niche, what is your passion, and, and do you want to work for a company again or do you want to be self-employed? And I think these are the things now it's critical from a financial perspective where you have to pause and say, okay, if I, I was fortunate enough to get a severance, how long is that severance going to last? Mm. How much do I need to make to sustain my lifestyle or do I have to start giving up things? Um, what is my cash flow? And this is where it's critical to sit down with an advisor. If you go the self-employment route, uh, as many have done, and mm-hmm. I did that as well, it's a whole different ball of wax. And so, um, firstly, you'd, you'd want to talk to a small business advisor, firstly, a financial planner and a small business advisor, which Meridian has um, both of those where you could sit down and they, they could help you, um, you know, talk about a business plan. We've got tons of tools on our website on how to do a business plan. You have to look at benefits, to your point, you don't. You, you'd have to pay for uh, for benefits, and so you have to shop that around, and that can mm-hmm. be costly as well. You have to set up a small business account. There's a bunch of things, and then you have to get an accountant that's going to help you uh, manage through things. So I think critically, once you're going through that, um, early days, it's really important to sit down and go in and see a financial advisor and or a small business advisor or both together, depending on what direction, so you can get all the information you need because there is a lot to consider. And they can also help you um, if you want to go back to school because you can take money from your um, RSP. Right. So there's the lifelong learning plan that you can take up to $20,000 out of your RSP and not get penalized. You get to pay it back if you decide that you want to, you know, uh, get some more accreditation or go back to school. So, you know, a bunch of things to ta- to think about, but I think it's really critical from a financial perspective to, to also sit down and understand what impact will this have to me. And if you're taking a total change in career, can you sustain that from a financial perspective? And can you, well, yeah, exactly. So can you afford it? So a budget, can an advisor help you yeah. with all that? Yeah, so it's really important, I think, to go in and, and start putting your numbers together and sit with an advisor to say, um, you know, here's what I think the budget is and, and help me, uh, you know, tweak it so that, or what do I need to consider? You know, will I need to take money out of my RSP? You know, will I need to take money out of my savings? What impact will that have on retirement? And so run various scenarios because that will also help you decide in terms of, you know, how fast can you go with this? And the other thing, too, with an advisor is if you're working for a company – you pay one set of deductions. If you're working on your own, it changes the tax uh, landscape considerably. Yeah. Yeah. And that may be the the thing that, that makes the decision. And most of us are not aware of how to do that. Yeah. And the other piece is um, you might have gotten a, a severance package and you had a pension. Uh, and what does that mean to commute the pension, right? right? You might have the option to keep the pension or commuting. What does that mean, right? So you go in and- What does that mean, commute? To take the lump sum. Oh, I took. I did that. Right? You And some companies will let you actually keep stay with the pension, I, or do I take I stayed it? with the pension and because the they, were paying, they were paying, paying a percentage 
in more. It was just better for me to yeah. stay with it. But a lot of people take the lumps out. Say, I don't oh, want no, anything to do with them anymore. No, no, no. no, no. no. Yeah. But it wasn't even that. Uh, in in my in our case, it was uh, it was only sixty three percent funded. I'm not married, mm. so if I die. All that money goes back in to finance other people. Mm-hmm. If I take it out and put it into a RIF and an RSP, yeah. um, I, it goes to my children. Right. So why wouldn't all, I? All good questions mm-hmm. for an advisor. So where yeah. can people go to learn more? So go onto our website, www.meridiancu.ca, and uh, look at a branch location near you, financial advisor or small business advisor. Delista Cruz, as usual, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, less tired, greater focus. There is one downside, however. Oops. Higher furniture costs. Take the Hill Street Challenge and see what you can break. Learn more at HillStreetChallenge.com. Cheers to a better you. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Any bio that states she has eaten her way through much of the free world and since 1979 has written about it professionally is about my kind of woman. And it is indeed a pleasure to welcome Sarah Waxman to What She Said Talk. Hello. Now, Sarah, after decades as an award-winning restaurant critic, best-selling cookbook author, a food and travel journalist, 25 years as a restaurant critic at the Sunday Sun to name just one gig, at a time in one's life when most people would be winding things down, you launched the spectacular magazine Dine and Destinations, a daunting task. So tell us what prompted you to start the presses. Well, actually... um I, I, I am an accidental publisher. <laughs> the um, the major uh, factor that changed my life was uh, when my husband died in 2001. Mm-hmm. Because uh, for me, what I did uh, in newspapers and magazines and books was my hobby. And, you know, I was never the breadwinner. I was the the cake winner. Mm -hmm. And then when Al died, um, I I quit a lot of my jobs because I just couldn't put two words together. It was quite a shock. Mm. And then after a while, I started to work again. And I just didn't have the motivation. Uh, in Elle magazine, Elle Canada, mm-hmm. I was the advice lady. And 
you know, I would get these uh, letters uh, from young women wanting advice. Uh, I slept with my best friend's boyfriend. Should I tell her? <laughs> well, I don't care anymore. <laughs> and I just couldn't do that anymore. Right. So slowly, slowly, I stopped working at all my jobs. I left the Sun. I went to the National Post as a restaurant critic mm -hmm. and then stopped that. And uh, I, I realized after a while <laughs> that I needed something to do. Mm -hmm. So I went in into Maison de la Presse to see if there were any magazines that I could uh, write for, mm -hmm. any international magazines. I had done that in the past as a freelancer. And there was nothing there. Nothing. Just cooking magazines. And I did not want to go back to cooking magazines. I wanted to be out of the kitchen and into the dining room. Right. So I was telling a friend about this, and he said, why don't you start your own magazine? Little did he know. So... My my brother, who is a lawyer, and uh, I and my friend, we talked about it, and they convinced me that I could do it, because none of us knew what all that entailed. I knew how to write for magazines, uh, en route, a flair, L, mm -hmm. uh, from the other side of the desk. Right. Not from having a payroll and having deadlines for everybody and dealing with printers and so on. Anyhow, I did it. Hey, certainly and did. And it has been a very, very steep learning curve. Mm -hmm. uh, now, our 12th issue is coming out in September. I have a wonderful team. My son, Adam, works right alongside me. Mm -hmm. He's the associate publisher and executive editor, and I couldn't do it without him. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, it was in the second year that I was doing everything myself. I mean, everything. And I said to him at one point, Adam, you have to help me. And he said, sure, Mom, what do you want me to do? Drive you somewhere, pick up something? You know, the kids had grown up knowing that I was a restaurant critic and a food writer. Right. So as far as he was concerned, you know, I was still doing the same thing as I always did. So I said to him, I have three or four more restaurants to review. You have to come with me, which he did, and the rest is history. He just loved what he was doing, and now he has become an incredibly intelligent and writer that he has surpassed me by miles. Of course, he has a much better education than I do. So that's how it how all started. Start? Well, I, I want to talk about this because your friends describe you as a woman with a huge heart, terrific sense of humor, non-judgmental, adventuresome, daring, with a fashion flair that puts them to shame. But mm. most of all, they call you kind. Now, the, one of them gave me one example. Sarah was reviewing a new restaurant run by a young couple. The food was not anywhere near up to standard. She decided not to write a review and ruin this young, hopeful couple's dream. 
She told them she'd come back at a later date. She had compassion for them. She really cares about the restaurateurs and rejoices in their successes. Do you remember that? Do you remember that restaurant? Yes, yes, I do. Do you remember what became of them? (laughs) No. (laughs) But I believe that I'm part of the industry. Mm-hmm. I am not here to destroy. Well, that's what I mean. Writing, I mean, writing reviews must be a, a terribly delicate task. Clearly, someone with your credentials, your following, can literally make or break a restaurant. So, how do you balance that? I once wrote an article: Can a good review help or harm a restaurant? Okay. And in many instances, it could help, but in some, it could harm. Absolutely. I went to a Thai restaurant. On Jarvis Street, mm-hmm. that had recently opened. And my review came out on Sunday morning. This restaurant was unbelievable. The woman and her husband who owned it, she was a master chef from Thailand. She made the most delicate, beautiful things that you would get in a fine restaurant in Thailand. I wrote about it. Sunday night, there was a lineup around the block. The owner took photographs. He couldn't, they couldn't f- follow up. They, they couldn't uh, feed the people in time. <laughs> and they didn't have dishwashers. Oh he was goodness. running out on the street asking guys on Jarvis Street who were just wandering <laughs> around, would you like a job coming to help wash the dishes? So in that way, it can harm because people will not get what they expected from my review. Right. Uh, there are many restaurants who believe that I help them um, and, and have told me so. I go into a restaurant that... I haven't been to or is new, a waiter will come running from across the room and say, oh, Mrs. Waxman, I served you here and here 10 years ago, and I remember what you ate and where you sat, and it's amazing. So the, the reason that I can have this magazine mm-hmm. is because I always dealt with restaurants with integrity. Mm-hmm. The first year before we started, I went into a well-known fine dining restaurant to sell them an ad. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a magazine yet. We sat down with our meeting, and I was with uh, another person. And the uh, owner said, well, you know, Sarah, a few years ago, you gave us a very bad review. <laughs> so the person I was with figured we might as well stand up right now and leave. And the owner said, and if you hadn't, we might not be in business today because my criticism was not just putting somebody down and making fun of them. It was sincere criticism and suggesting ways to fix that. Mm -hmm. It's like if you have a child and they do something wrong, you're not going to kill them. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you you want them to be better. They want them to learn. That's true. That was my policy. I felt as part of the industry, I owed that to restaurants. That may not have been any other restaurant reviewer's policy, but it was mine. We are speaking with Sarah Waxman, uh, the publisher of Dine and Destinations magazine, right here on What She Said Talk, and you're listening to 105.9 The Region. Um, You mentioned your husband, Al, Al Waxman, of course. Now, you two are one of the first so-called power couples 
in, in Toronto. <laughs> so supportive of each other's work. Huge yeah. participants in, in more city, national, international, cultural and charitable causes that I have time to list here. Fixtures on the social scene. Yet you had to battle to get Al a star on the Walk of Fame. It only happened, was last year? Yes. So that must have been very surprising to you. I mean, the hugely loved King of Kensington, after all, no star? Well, you know, I didn't have to battle, but people battled. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't do anything. It would be, you know, embarrassing for me to say, hey, give my husband a star. But um, the the board all knew me, and of course they all knew Al, Mm -hmm. and of course they got uh, letters from all kinds of people. uh, there were uh, articles in newspapers uh, questioning why he didn't have the star. And the fact is that it's all political. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. somebody didn't like him, and they said why, and so on and so forth. People can can really surprise you, right? I mean, one of your friends mentioned that um, after Al died during heart surgery um, in 2001... The social and even philanthropic circles shrank. People, you know, dropped you. That must have been oh, very hurtful. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all? Uh, I have always had my own friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had um, a full life, and I still continue to have a full life. Uh, you've had an exceptional life. <laughs> I, think, I think it's amazing the, yeah, the things and, you've done. And it's understandable. I mean, if you, if, if a couple gets a divorce... Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, they are no longer that uh, interesting entity. They are a single person. So I am still invited to my good friends' parties mm-hmm. and so on, and I invite them to my parties. When we have our launch party every year Which for are our spectacular. magazine, <laughs> we have 200 people. Oh. Many of them are my friends. Absolutely. Who continue to be my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, what diminished was uh, my invitations to uh, public social events. I find that so surprising, though, because, I mean, to, to me, I mean, Al, yes, great man, great star, incredibly supportive of you. But you, everything that you have done in, in your own life, all the, the charitable philanthropic work, all your publications, um, your writing, your reviews, everything, it's a stellar career. And I, I don't understand. I hear it a lot. I hear, you know, people don't want a widow at the table kind of thing. They don't want a divorcee I, you at the know, table. I, I, I don't get that because you are your own person in your own right and an outstanding career. For many, many years after Al died, I could not even say the word widow hmm. because it, it was like a little old lady in black, you mm-hmm. know? And I did not even want to think of myself as that person. So I just continued my life uh, when I, my emotions were back in order. (laughs) I continued my life doing what I do, seeing who I see, and uh, I created a new chapter for myself. Mm -hmm. If I retired, which people say to me, when are you going to retire? If I retired... I would lose my hobby, right? Which my, and my hobby 
is food, cooking, dining, thinking about food, learning about it. <laughs> all food, uh, all the time. Yes. It's fabulous. And I would lose my hobby. I would go nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would have to write about it somewhere. Um, and why not continue to write about it in my magazine? Which, by the way, I am very, very proud of. I think you should, I, I, with good reason. It is, it's spectacular, but it's it's only, it's available online. We can read it, I read it online. But it, it goes into... Um, into hotels? Yes. Um, the top hotels in Toronto have it in all their rooms. Mm-hmm. It is in the Air Canada first class lounges, Air France first class lounges, Via Rail lounges. Um, it comes out with the Globe and Mail to certain mm-hmm. postal codes and um, probably more places that I just can't. <laughs> and this good. year, yes. this year, uh, last year, we started to have some French language content. Oh, really? This year, we have not only French language content, but Chinese language content. Because we're doing a big section on Markham, which is, by the way, the next best place. You should see what's going on there. We are, we're here. We're here in your yes. region. Here we are. Markham yes. is part of us. It's fabulous yes. growth. And... Uh, there are uh, a very large Chinese population, which we feel we would like to serve. You know, this is, I mean, this is what inspires me about you. I mean, you are ahead of the curve. You always have been. You see, uh, you saw a gap, you know, talking about fabulous food in Toronto, which we, I think we are a food destination. Now you've seen a gap in York Region, where we are. And, and you are sort of fulfilling... A purpose for yourself and for other people. It must be very rewarding to be able to do well, that. Well, uh, I get a lot of compliments about the magazine. It's beautiful. Everyone says, you know, wow, this is Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's, no, we can yeah, have a whole discussion yeah. about that attitude. We, really. we continue to use the best paper stock mm-hmm. and uh, photographs and uh, our writing. Uh, we uh, assign other writers, which I'm very proud of. Mm-hmm. And we pay them well. <laughs> one of the uh, one of the uh, articles this coming year is uh, Elko, Nevada, has the Cowboy Poetry Weekend. Okay, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I have not. Well, all the cowboys from the U.S. and there are plenty, right? Uh, come and they recite their poetry and they sing and they have fun. So it's not just Toronto restaurants that some people might think the magazine it's, is. Right. It's about everything. And Adam goes to Japan mm-hmm. uh, every year. He's fluent in Japanese. He lived there and worked there. He went to Cornell University to study Japanese mm-hmm. in, in depth. And he uh, writes about Japan like no one else. When they invite one Canadian journalist, it's him. He is Amazing. their man in Canada. Uh, we write about American destinations, European destinations, France, Italy, and so on. And it is uh, very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, the time has come for me to step back a little. I don't believe you ever will, sir. I can step back a little. <laughs> <laughs> and Adam is, you know, ready to, to step forward. Right, and the timing is good for everything. Right. 
This is, I mean, it's amazing. There is um, uh, one woman who has been a close friend of yours for 40 years says, I would watch her and wish I could do that. So enterprising and innovative, a great listener, always supportive. She has never let me down, and I hope I never let her down. You have some solid friends out there. Well, yes, and, you know, I'm very generous with my friends Mm -hmm. because even though I'm not in the financial bracket that I used to be when I had a a husband, uh, I feel that you don't have to have money to be generous. Mm. I, I feel that I am rich in so many things, and I like to be kind to my friends. I like to love my friends, and they love me back. Leona Boyd said, I'm so glad Sarah Waxman is a friend of mine because she enjoys classical music. Yes. So we get to go together. (laughs) She said, you know, Toronto's pretty much, you know, she is the one (laughs) that she goes with. So you spend spend time with them. And I mean, I think, you know... I think everything you have done in your life is remarkable. I was so sorry to hear of, of Al's death when it happened. It was a surprise. It didn't. It was during surgery. Um, must have been devastating. But the way that you picked yourself up, carried on, went forward, and created this fantastic magazine, and that you're still going, it's a it's a testament to you and your family. And I, I mean, you 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 came here as a child to Winnipeg. You didn't speak English until you went to school. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, and there you end up with this fantastic journalism career that is uh, the envy of a lot of us. Because I was a reader. Mm -hmm. My sister and I would go to the library. We were each allowed to take out three books. By the end of the week, both of us had read the six books and got six more books. In the summertime, we used to sit on our steps and there were other kids and we would discuss. We would discuss uh, books that we were reading. Uh, reading was like the world. Mm-hmm. When you grow up in Winnipeg, it's kind of <laughs> small, you know. <laughs> so uh, the whole world opened. I always felt there was everything out there, and I felt I could go anywhere and do anything because I could speak English. And and you did. And Sarah Waxman. We have to leave it there. Good luck with whatever is next on your plate, because I know it's going to be something yummy. <laughs> Thank you. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, greater focus, and maybe even... Wow, my bass playing has gotten awesome. Right, honey? Yeah, whatever. Take the Hill Street Challenge and play sexy all night long. Learn more at hillstreetchallenge.com. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. 
Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at whatshesaidtalk.com. We're back with film critic Ann Brody, who sat down with Jim Cummings, who voices Winnie the Pooh and Tigger in Disney's Christopher Robin, which is in theaters now. Take a listen. Oh, I do like a party. Come on, Pig. What should happen if you forget about me? Silly old bear. I won't ever forget about you, Pooh. I promise. Not even when I'm 100. Now, according to IMDb, you have around 537 credits. You win. Okay, I'll take it. I don't think anyone has that number of credits. Uh, Gosh, I I don't know what to say about that. God bless the people who sit there and count. Because I I wasn't that good at math. So I'll take your word for it, Ann. Thank you. That's fantastic. Um, You know, when you're in, uh, when you're on your own, and I was thinking particularly in this one, because there's so much um, uh, physical movement and tripping and falling and all of that. How do you get that into your voice? You know, I think I'm used to it. From I, I come from a large family, and I, I, I was tripped and whacked and and thrown down steps, and it's just you know relive. It's just sat, Saturday morning to me, or Tuesday afternoon. It's uh, it's not a problem, you know. And I went to Catholic school, so I was used to ducking, and uh, you know, it it all works. It, you keep all those little emotions, and you never know when you'll need them. When you're going to come bouncing out of the 180-acre woods. You never know, right? Oh, I love it. Uh, does it uh, doing this, this film that uh, brings to life, anim- well, live action, um, this beloved story, it's a responsibility, but it also must bring you joy to have contributed to it. Oh, very much so. I, I think, you know, everybody's got a soft spot in their hearts uh, for the 100-acre wood. And, you know, all these beautiful stories that A.A. Milne started and embarrassed his son with, God bless him. But, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's, I think of it honestly like a, a privilege and, a, and an honor to, to bring these characters into the next century. Yeah. Been doing it a while now. I'm glad, glad what, they're still what noticing What happened? How did, how did it begin with you? Uh, well, uh, back, gosh, 87, uh, ABC and Disney were separate companies then, and uh, it had been 20 years, something, since anybody had heard anything from Winnie the Pooh, the, the original three shorts, and they decided, well, let's bring that bear, remember that bear, the 100 acre one, let's bring them back <laughs> and bear. do, uh, let's do, let's, you know, let's do an animated series, and, and it was very successful, and, you know, they sent out a call for auditions, you know, for people to read, uh, and it was funny, I, I remember hearing that Burgess Meredith Red for Winnie the Pooh and uh, E.G. Marshall. E.G. <laughs> e. Marshall? I, I, that's what I heard. I, I could be wrong, but uh, I, I, I don't know. But I ended up getting the call, and, uh, and now I, I lucked out. I get to hang out with you. Oh, isn't that sweet? Now, you said at one point that you recognized Sterling Holloway's voice, but you were oh, too that, frightened to go to him. Well, I, did, yeah, I didn't know what to say. I... I my wife and I were in uh, Laguna Beach, California at the time, and he, he, had, he was retired even then. This is before I was in the business, but uh, I knew that he was retired. And um, we're sitting there in a diner, th- thought we were the only people there, and waitress walks over the corner and says, well, have you decided uh, what, you, what you would like to have? And you hear this little voice, I believe I shall have the chowder. And I went, 
because it's very distinct. Yeah, that was just his voice. That's just the way he spoke. Wow. And I kind of got up and I looked over there and there there was Sterling Holloway. God bless him. He looked like an albino crow. He had all that, <laughs> that big spray of hair, that white hair. And he was, you know, sitting there just as cute as he could be. And, and I thought, I should go up and say something to him. But, but I what do you say? You're Winnie the Pooh, man. Uh, you know, that wouldn't have. Uh, now I'm you're Winnie right, the right. Pooh. Yeah. Man. Now you're Winnie the Pooh. Has anyone recognized you in that same way? My uh, voice? No. No, uh, not, not that way. Uh, although my albino crow impression is pretty good, but no, I uh, no, I, because it's uh, occasionally somebody will hear a little dark-winged duck or some tigger in my voice that I don't really put there, but I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, <laughs> but but they, you know, he was just speaking; he wasn't really doing a character voice, and I'm 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 doing him basically. So amazing and pouring now, honey on it. Pouring. Well, that's the main thing, right? That's right. Now, these voices, these these four voices, do you sort of keep them in a library so that you can bring out any of them at any time for these films? Or is, is each time a new beginning? Uh, well, no, they have to stay the same. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, you don't want them to... I mean, it's it's a new storyline and it's a new approach in that but sense. But nothing's but not, different. Yeah, it's got to stay the same. That's part of the But that stays in your in your consciousness. Apparently you can so. just turn it right on. Yeah, at this point, I have to say, yes, it does. <laughs> you tell me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> does it? Great. Okay. Yes. But I'll tell you, when I see you and McGregor, I still can't get train spotting out of my mind. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> well, we'll forgive you. Thank you. I promise you this will get it out of your mind. So sweet. And yeah. the voices. Yeah, it's Thank all you. good. Thank you. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Take the Hill Street Challenge and go alcohol-free for 30 days. Because when you go alcohol-free, good things happen to your body. Better sleep, less tired, greater focus. There is one downside, however. Oops. Higher furniture costs. Take the Hill Street Challenge and see what you can break. Learn more at HillStreetChallenge.com. Cheers to a better you. Meridian's three-year Escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit KearnsAndCo.com. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. She is 
a singer-songwriter, an author, an actor, a humanitarian, requiring very little introduction, and she's certainly a friend of the show. We are so excited to welcome back Biff Naked to what she said. How are you? So nice of you. I'm great. How are you? You are the most positive person I have talked to in a long time. Oh, Because you've just moved to Toronto full-time from Vancouver. Yes. How was the move? Amazing. It was so interesting. I think that that all of our friends from Vancouver really kind of treated us like we defected in a way. Well, the West and the East, you know. It's weird. It's so funny. They have that thing. Because, you know, I think, well, aren't we all mature? Aren't we past it? No one's past it. It's all about sports. And, uh, And that's okay. Um, we love it here. We loved the winter. We we loved the spring, which was about two days long. And now that it's summer, uh, we're just in ecstasy. We love it. Actually, I should tell our listeners that when she was not on camera, she said she loved the ice storm. She loved the power outage. <laughs> loved it. Well, the power outage was great because I got to play Monopoly with my husband. Uh, we never would have done that otherwise. We sat there with his board game. He collects Kiss memorabilia, and he has a Kiss Monopoly game. And so then we played that for hours and it was, uh, I felt incredibly romantic. You just sound like an ordinary person riding your bikes and, <laughs> and, and people look at you and think, wow, she's virtually iconic. Oh my goodness. And you're just riding your bike in the neighborhood. So what made you want to make this transition to our neck of the woods? Like, did you just wake up one morning and go, like, what happened? Well, ultimately, um, I was, uh, my husband and I were married in 2016. Uh, second marriage for him, third for me, third's a charm. And uh, he had his own apartment, and I had my own apartment in Vancouver. And we both wanted to sell and get something together. There just wasn't a way that we could be happy with anything that we could find there. Um, at the same time, my manager of almost 30 years had moved from Paris, France to Oakville with his wife and their kids. And so it made sense. We were starting to spend a lot of time in the greater Toronto area and, uh, we just fell in love with it. And the, uh, apartments we looked at were bigger and 30% cheaper. So it was a no brainer. All the book publishing companies are here. All the record companies are here. And uh, we just decided that we wanted to do it. So out of the time that you spend in Paris, New Delhi, Toronto, do you have a favorite? Right now, it's got to be Lakeshore and Park Lawn. I can tell you that much. It's just (laughs) been, uh, it's just been an incredible time for us. It's uh, very, everything is new. Everything is interesting and unique. And now that we're just getting into summer, of course, all the festivals, the street festivals, the markets, it's just really been lots of fun. Well, you truly embody the phrase, live to tell the tale. And for our listeners who, who maybe didn't hear uh, some of your other interviews with us, um, you were orphaned in India, emancipated by punk rock, empowered by surviving breast cancer, kidney failure, heart surgery, and divorce, and through it all you carried on. Um, tell us a little bit about that and what you used as your weapons of self-defense. You know, I think I can blame my mother, really, for all my positivity, because my mother, who was born in 1938, just celebrated her 80th birthday, uh, is a Minnesota girl. She went to high school with Bob Dylan, though she never met him. Uh, And she was the, like, she's the Rose Nyland 
of mothers. If anyone knows the golden girls, she is, she always was very positive and, you know, it comes from a long line of passive aggressive, you know, sixties housewives who ultimately, no matter what's amiss and what's going on, nothing's the matter. And whenever, uh, her, her coping techniques were cleaning, doing the dishes, uh, quietly going to her room, whatever it is. She never let on the stressors that were really impacting her. Um, you know, rightly or wrongly, my sisters, and I have a younger sister and an older sister, picked up those traits. And I think because she was my mother, I do the dishes when I'm furious. When I'm furious, I do the dishes very quietly. And just stew and work it out in my mind. And your husband, who's here in the studio, do you get nervous when she starts with the dishes? No, no. he usually doesn't <laughs> notice because, of course, I wouldn't let it on. But uh, I think that those type of coping skills um, really do minimize the impact that stress would have on me. And, and you know, being a performer lent itself to surviving breast cancer, really. Um, in, in, in what way? Well, because you're ultimately, you know, I call it the Victoria Principle principle. Victoria Principle from Dallas uh, has to wear makeup every day because the Inquirer would take her picture and then splash all over the Inquirer. She was a drunk, which, by the way, she yeah. wasn't. Um, and so I re remember reading that when I was young. No matter what, you have to have your game face on. And to have my game face on in the chemo ward and, uh, and in my cancer appointments really did help me get through it because I couldn't really appear that stressed. I couldn't really go to that place where I, I was stressed out and upset and, and not handling it well because every minute was basically a performance in a way. That combined with my mother's personality, well... You know, I guess was, when you have to be on, you can lose yourself in that persona and absolutely and sort of walk away from it, which which gives you the strength when you walk back in. Oh, certainly. To fight it. I think that it really did. Yeah. It did help me for sure. And hopefully it was uh, helpful to the people I was around to see me not stressed. Now, you've been making music for almost 30 years now. When you first started, what sort of challenges did you face? Oh, I think any challenge that any woman faces in a job, um, you know, the, the sexism, the misogyny, I mean, that's uh, just as rampant in the music business as it would be in a hospital oh. or in a kitchen, you know, or, or radio, studio. <laughs> or radio. Yes. And, and I think that um, being able to navigate uh, as a female first and as a young person second, um, it wasn't easy. There were a lot of different challenges. Uh, but again, I found never taking anything personally uh, when it did come to barriers uh, really did help me withstand them and just keep going. And I think the key um, probably to acting, music business, any performing arts really is just to, to keep continuing what you're doing, you know, to never quit, as they say, or never give up because eventually someone will hear you knocking at the door. What are your thoughts about being part of a female empowering movement years ago, before this age now, where everybody's talking about it? Uh, it's so funny to me. You know, I think that, um, you know, there, there's part of me that just says, where, where was the women's marchers when, you know, we were doing Run for the Cure with our pink ribbons? Um, and then the other part of me thinks, how wonderful it is for young women today to see that Everybody is on board with feminism and, and standing up for yourself and standing up for women's rights. 
uh, it's so different. It probably I probably would have grown up a different a different girl if I would have had the uh, role models that are available today. What's the best advice you ever got and the worst? Wow, I don't know. I think that the best advice that I ever got ever um, was just give the people what they want. And also, the worst advice I ever got was just give the people what they want. <laughs> I think that it's a double-edged sword. Um, and, uh, and it was from a quote, I think it was Judy Garland telling Liza Minnelli, um, when Liza Minnelli was a child wanting to go home, or whatever it was, and Judy Garland said, mommy has to give the people what they want, and then we can go for a hamburger. And, uh, and I think that there's n- the, that is just such a true statement. Uh, because, you know, you have to get your work done, basically, first, and then you can relax. You still love singing? I love singing, and I love performing. It It, it never gets old for me, even though I, I always think it will. It never does. I love it. Are you going to just keep on going like Betty White? Yes, I think I probably will. <laughs> you know, God willing, I God think I willing. will. What was your bi- biggest musical influence? Well, again, you know, honestly, it would have to be a combination of Nat King Cole, which my parents listened to, uh, Whitney Houston, whose first record came out when I was in junior high, and Madonna, uh, who's the first person I ever saw in a black bra under a white T-shirt. And from that point forward, I was like, I'm showing, I mean, I'm showing everyone my bra, Mom, because <laughs> this lady did. But really, yeah. I think that, um, yeah, and they were all performers. I read a quote by you where you said, if people really let me have my way, I'd probably do a death metal record and just scream, which leads me to this question. (laughs) What's next for you musically? Well, honestly, we're going to do a national tour in the fall. We've got new music coming out. And uh, yeah, you never know. I think that every every girl has uh, some kind of death metal record in her heart just waiting to get out. (laughs) Well, Biff Naked, thanks so much for being here today. That's it for What She Said. Be sure to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. And now, singing us out, here is Biff Naked, accompanied by Snake, performing Tango Shoes. I am alone I dawdle down the street Shuffle my feet Don't want to go home There's an antique store I go inside All I got on me Is only 20 bucks And my pride That's when I see them my new tango shoes, they are my treasure, they are so cool My new tango shoes, they are my ticket, my tool My new tango shoes, they gonna help me dance away from you My new tango shoes, like Cinderella Suddenly I'm taller, you're smaller, I am reborn With new courage, I go downtown To find 
all around And they see my My new tango shoes They are my treasure They are so cool My new tango shoes They are my tickets My jewel My new tango shoes They gonna help me dance away from you My new tango shoes Right before your angry eyes Then I stick a rose in between my lips I turn on my heel Dance out of your life Listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. 
the Journey into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.